0: have something that i want you may think you have some idea of what you have in your possession but you do not in a few moments it will be back with me it means more to me than you will ever know today we're talking about the book of boba fett and the mandalorian I take my Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What is more important, loyalty or purpose? And how do I choose between two things that both seem like good choices? What does it mean to really belong? Can I find meaningful relationships when I've been on my own for so long? Can I really come back from a life of sin? What about a life of violence? What about a life of pain? Can I come back from those? And how do I deal with the anger I feel from the way I've been treated and how I've been abandoned all of these are questions, deep questions, that come up through the shows The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. I am really excited today. I've been trying to get him on the show for a long time, and it finally has worked out, and he's here. We have uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Deacon, Dr. Bob Rice, a professor at Franciscan University, musician, a Star Wars nerd extraordinaire. I'm super happy to, to, to have you here, uh, Deacon Bob, and... Uh, Listeners, if you listen to the show before, you know that I am Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade in Catholic high school education while also trying to make it as a rock star at night. And now I speak to people each year through this podcast and also through live events. And this is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies and the shows that we love. And hopefully by the end of this episode, not only will you have a greater appreciation for The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, but also you'll have some real practical tips that you can incorporate in your life today for how to experience God's love and how to live it out in your world. Thank you so much to the people who make this show possible, our patrons who support us on a monthly basis through PopCultureCatechism.com and the Awaken app. I'm very happy today to have Deacon Bob Rice with us. Bob, thanks so much for being here. Can you tell the people a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I live in Steubenville, Ohio. Uh, with my wife and my seven awesome kids. I'm a deacon for the Diocese of Steubenville. I actually just got ordained a couple months ago. Woo! Uh, so it's a very, yeah, it's very, very, very newlywed exciting uh, moments in my life in terms of that brand new sacramental grace. I teach at Franciscan University of Steubenville, uh, where I am a professor of catechetics uh, focusing a lot on youth ministry and music ministry. During the summers, I lead a lot of the worship for the Steubenville Summer Conferences. And I'm just really pumped to be here. Uh, it's a real
0: grace and blessing to uh, be talking with you. I, am I feel to...
1: like I should have worn my Franciscan University shirt
0: today. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you're wearing your cap yeah. University yeah, I, always, I have a lot of friends that went to Franciscan. I'm a big fan of Franciscan University. Um, but I always remind my friends that went to Franciscan that while your school is... A great Catholic university. Mm-hmm. I went to the Catholic University of America, yeah. so just I just like to remind them yeah. of so you that. You don't think that's but... a little
1: lack of creativity on that end? <laughs> like, if you have to overstate it that much, what are you
0: compensating? for? Perhaps that's just my thoughts. Perhaps, him, but perhaps, we'll perhaps. On All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. I feel I feel a little bit like the young Padawan with the Master <laughs> Jedi. Um, you know, I actually I actually came up with two possible mas- Master Jedi names for you. Um, Ooh, it could be okay. uh, Obi Bob Kenobi. Um, yeah. Sure. Or I think I like the b- other one better. Rice window, so yeah, yeah. you gotta go with that one. You gotta. Go <laughs> I'm just with that gonna one. call you Bob, but I, I, I thought of that. All right, so listeners, if you're not familiar with the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, Wikipedia describes it as a space western television series. It was it's the, the first live action star wars tv show and it launched mm-hmm. disney plus when when uh disney was launching their streaming network the mandalorian was like the flagship show and it now it's it's spawning other shows and ahsoka show and a few others um and then i think
1: star trek the ne- next generation did for the united paramount
0: network yes exactly so
1: mandalorian <laughs>
0: for Disney Plus. exactly exactly I'm if any listener will get that reference oh I, I get, I get that reference well, i knew you would. i knew you <laughs> all right so um first of all uh i like to talk about kind of the art of the show and then we'll talk about some of the themes so artistically what do you like about these shows the the mandalorian the book of boba fett what what are they doing right on an artistic level
1: yeah the the color scheme is incredible i mean it is it is so beautiful i'm sure we'll get to it it's one of the things i don't like about book of boba fett i thought it broke some of its own artistic Mm, rules okay but in terms of just the look and the feel Uh, The soundtrack was incredible. I mean, it really, it really dove into that space Western genre uh, in a way that didn't, you know, you never felt like it was trying to force something. It just Mm -hmm. came across really, really naturally in terms of the, you know, the the strong earth tones and the music and the lighting of all of it. Uh, I mean, just, just exceptional how it stuck to that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I really like the, just the, it, it. I don't know if you're familiar with this phrase. We, we did an episode on, on the Skywalker saga. It was one of the first episodes we did. And one of the things we talked about in there is uh, the Donegality of Star Wars. So um, there's like this place in Ireland and like if you've been in Donegal and like you've been there, it's got a certain Donegality to it. It's like, so Star yeah, Wars yeah. has like a certain Star Warsiness to it. Like it just feels yeah. like Star Wars. And I feel like the Mandalorian uh, nails that with yeah. you just feel like you're in the Star Wars world. And it just, it, it, it has a certain feel that you it's hard to quantify but that it, was one of the revolutionary yeah. things that Lucas did with the first Star Wars when we when we
1: began that story on Tatooine you know i mean Star Wars the movie itself began with a very cliched space look yeah uh, everything is white everything is silver everything is clean everything is polished but then you ended up in Tatooine and Ooh. suddenly you've got this dirty grimy it you know at one point it probably looked really bright and shiny Mm. and now it's just this griminess that reminds us i think more of our common experience with thing i mean we all have we all remember when we got that brand new car 10 years ago and it looked awesome and you look at it now and you're like but now but now the millennium falcons
0: but now the millennium falcons hyperdrive just never works (laughs) you know when you hit it too it's always break down that like bang on it yeah i love that i love that yeah i thought that was an
1: aesthetic Mm -hmm. actually that joss whedon did really well with firefly too Mm. i mean i think actually that I uh, tried to lean into that spaced Western genre, but yes. it almost did it comically. I think Mandalorian mm. like embraces it fully.
0: Yeah. And I love the kind of, kind of the the throwbacks. I think it's doing a good job. I mean, as, as Star Wars fans, we all have our opinions about the originals and the prequels and the sequels. And it's, it's very heated. But I, what I love about what the Mandalorian book of Boba Fett is doing is I feel like it's bringing so much of this together. Cause it's set yes. after return of the Jedi before the sequels. And so it's kind of trying to fill in that space and connect the sequel trilogy to the main trilogy. But then there's also all these throwbacks to the prequels and uh, just like the spa- the new spaceship that he has now mm-hmm. and um, like some of the droids. And so I feel like it's really in something John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who are like the producers, directors behind it, something they're doing is just weaving this beautiful tapestry out of things that, some people like and some people don't like, but they're, they're, they're bringing it together in a cohesive way that I feel like sometimes has been lacking in Star Wars, you know? <laughs> so I, I really- Well, what I really love, I love about it is I, I
1: this was one of the first times that they moved away from this bizarre genre that Lucas almost created for himself, which was a backward storytelling motif. Mm. You know, we had the original trilogy and we didn't know what was going to happen to those characters movie to movie. Mm-hmm. And then we went to uh, the prequels, you know, which- he kind of created that genre really mm-hmm. and we don't know how it's going to end up but we know how it's going to end up yeah. like we mm-hmm. might not know the beats that it's going to get there but you know this kid's probably going to end up killing a lot of people yeah. eventually mm-hmm. right and, and we go there and i would say even that is i think for many not it's a totally different conversation but the frustration with the sequels and throwing palpatine in at the end of it always felt like a little bit of a a retro fan grab of mm-hmm. in introducing a character that was clearly not going to be a part of the, that sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. But now they're trying to, again, retro storytell. And, I mean, they, they do this constantly, right? They did it, you know, Last Jedi, they're running out of fuel. Mm-hmm. Well, when did we ever run out of fuel? Wait for six months and we're going to tell the solo story about mm-hmm. finding fuel, yeah, right? Uh-huh. And even The Mandalorian <laughs> played a little bit of a part in it. I don't know if you remember when Rise of Skywalker came out they moved that episode, uh, the Mandalorian episode, to a Wednesday as opposed to its normal release on the Thursday mm-hmm. so that we could see Yoda healing Force somebody healing. with the Force. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. um, so those little annoyances aside, I think the excitement of The Mandalorian is I don't know what's going to happen to The Mandalorian. Yeah, Like mm-hmm. this is a new story. Yeah, This is taking the things we love about the genre, the look and the feel of the genre, and it's really for the first time giving it a freedom – to create a new story in this world, which I think many of us have been longing for.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really agree. And I'm excited to, to, to see what happens. So let's get into some of the themes of what's going on. So like some really powerful characters that are going on some powerful Journeys. I want to start off just by um, talking about Din Djarin, who is he's the 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 title character in The Mandalorian, Um, and we find out very early on that he was an orphan. His parents were killed in the Clone Wars, and he was adopted into this Mandalorian way of life, specifically Death Watch, a certain certain sect of Mandalorian, and they have a very austere way of living. Of like, they have a very strict code. and I just, I just feel like that story of the orphan has yeah. such rich themes for us in the spiritual life, and also as Christians who also have a very, in some ways, kind of strict code that we're called to a, a different way, quote unquote. You know, he says right. this is the way. We have a, a different way that we follow. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering what what do you see in the journey of Din that that we can we can pull from in our our life of our, our walk, our way that we're trying to walk.
1: Yeah. You know, I love that, that general theme of the spirituality of the Mandalorian and, and even just the spirituality of Mandalorians in general, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, part of the arc of the bigger story of, of Mandalore was at one point it was wiped out by the Jedi. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why actually they they developed this kind of best car steel, mm-hmm. you know, so that they could defend themselves against lightsabers. So that was a part of it. And even one of those earlier episodes, uh, you know, the Mandalorian says, "Weapons are my religion." Like Ooh, I'm not going to yeah. give up. I'm not going to give up my religion, you know, for for this particular moment. Now I know in the arc of the Clone Wars, right, that uh, it ends up being the Empire that will wipe away the a lot of the remnants of Mandalore. And so you have this tension, I think, spiritually in this journey with uh, the Mandalorian of it's kind of like a fundamentalism. Like that's what he's raised in. Uh, It's a very, very he doesn't even know it's a strict sect until he encounters other Mandalorians who casually take their helmets off. And uh and he's completely freaked out by this. Mm -hmm. And the challenge for him is, is he going to stick To a a fundamentalism of a faith that he learned, or is he going to embrace the true meaning of his faith, which is beyond the fundamentalism? It's Mm -hmm. really fascinating. He is given care of this child, even though he's told, oh yeah, this is a child of people that try to kill us, Mm. but you still have a mission. And I think the most dramatic moment comes in episode, the, the first season, where he has to take his helmet off to get like the scan of the stormtrooper mm-hmm. moment. And he's going to, his face is going to be seen by others. That's um, what's, I'm trying to remember what season that was. maybe that I was, think that was
0: season two. Yeah.
1: That was season two, uh-huh. right? Season one, he shows his face to a robot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's iffy, but okay. Mm-hmm. But season two is where he actually has to make a decision. Am I going to follow into the harsh uh, fundamentalism of what I believe, or am I going to go for the purpose of what I believe. And I think, and I think that is his journey throughout both seasons. His first understanding of the way is of a very rigorous code that must be followed. And then throughout those seasons, we see in essence a conversion of it that he realizes that the way for him is more than just following a code, but it's, it's loving its connection. It's doing whatever it takes for the one that you are entrusted to. And and I think that's I think for people of faith that resonates with all of us oh because all of us can fall into a fundamentalism. Yeah. All of us can kind of forget the reason why we're doing what we're doing. And when we come face to face with it, that really becomes the question. Are we going to step into an uncomfortable place mm-hmm. for the sake of another or are we going to just stick to what is comfortable with us and and maybe even, you know, what we are led to believe at an earlier part of our life.
0: Yeah, I, I totally relate to that, you know, and I, cause I, I had a powerful experience of, of the Lord when I was in high school through our, our youth ministry at our parish and, um, had, went to a great Catholic high school with, with great campus ministry and went to Catholic university where there's an awesome, uh, faith community, and my, my family was very much in the faith. So I've been blessed with like lots of good formation. And from a young age, I decided like, I want to be all the way in for Jesus. I want to ride this yeah. Jesus train and drink the Jesus juice. Like I want to be all the way in. I want to be radical living my life for the Lord I want to be a saint Mother Teresa like that's what I want to be but there is this temptation to this like hyper fundamentalism as you said I think some people might might call it uh, rigorous and and I when you come up against these these uh, kind of gray areas in life, I think a lot of people react to that with well then all that, all those Catholic rules, well, that's all just a bunch of BS, right? It's a nice ideal maybe, but it doesn't work in the real world. And I know for, for me as a Catholic and a person of faith, the struggle is how do I be radical for Christ? How do I live in this radical way? Um, and not in, a, not in a prideful sort of way, but in a way that where I'm, I'm living 100% for Jesus, but... I'm not this kind of fundamentalist, you know, and I, I'm like, I'm not even sure what would you say is the, how, how do I, how do I know when I've gone over into fundamentalism how do I know when to take off my helmet, Bob? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the two great commandments are to love God and to love others.
0: Mm-hmm. And so everything else that we understand
1: in our faith really needs to, to filter through those moments. Now I would say the analogy fails, at least from a, a, you know a Catholic point of view. Mm-hmm. When we look at that storyline, um, the the kinds of things that the Mandalorian was being asked to do as part of the way, mm-hmm. you know, "quote unquote" the way, uh, wasn't really at the heart of what the way was about. If anything, you could maybe you could, you could make a comparison, I think, to the Pharisees mm. and the types of rules that they created. It wasn't that long ago at Sunday we heard Jesus saying you know, you, you make human laws and you pretend they're divine. Yeah. And even, uh, we see that conflict happen in the book of Boba Fett, where when Mandalorian confesses, yeah, actually I, I did take my helmet off once mm-hmm. you're out, Yeah, you're out of here, wow. right? Like that's not the way. And, and then we see that tension. I mean, that painful moment where he is, he loses his own, the only family he ever knew, but it would be more for a human rule. It would be more for that kind of, you know, every, anybody would go, Well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. That seems kind of harsh. Yeah. And so, too, I would say with our Catholic faith, um, you know, I I would say the difference is the the faith that we are living would probably be more like the faith that the Mandalorian discovered, Uh, you know, just as Jesus was trying to uh, reveal to the people at the time the true way of living faith as opposed to some of the hollow ritualism that the Pharisees were dictating. So, too, in the discovery of loving another, the Mandalorian finds that kind of way, the the heart of the way, you know, which is really found. You know, he says it, I think, even beautifully in Book Book of Boba Fett. He says, well, the way of the Jedi is detachment, but Mm -hmm. our way is attachment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's attachment to another. And in, in some ways, I would argue that kind of approach is actually more
0: in line with Christianity than the Jedi's would. Be. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get to that dichotomy later in Grogu's choice. Okay. But, but the, the f- thing that you mentioned that made me think of is that moment where Din says, yes, I took off my helmet. It's a moment of confession yeah. and he confesses his sin. And what's the response of the religious leader is exile. No, you're wow. out in Catholicism. The moment of confession is the prodigal son. It's go mm-hmm. in peace. You know, praise be to God, Lord have mercy. Like go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. You know, um, Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery, does anyone here condemn you? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Like there's, right. and I, I feel like so often we get this idea of God and of the church that it's like the, you did what I, I had a friend who always used to go to like the old retired priest for confession, uh, at his, at his parish, because he was like kind of deaf and couldn't hear until one time, uh. The priest actually couldn't hear him and said, you did what real loud just because he couldn't hear him. But then his parents were like, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> and that's that's what we expect a lot of times from our church and from God is this you did what out of my sight, you know, into into the fire. And that's not what we get with Jesus at all. We get, does anyone here condemn you? I don't condemn you. So, Yeah.
1: And I think that's a stereotype that sadly some Catholics have. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I get an opportunity to do a lot of ecumenical ministry opportunities, Mm -hmm. particularly with young people. And it breaks my heart a bit when I find Mm -hmm. ex-Catholics because the folks that I know that left the faith never did it because of a a doctrinal argument or something like that. It's usually because they, they grew up in a Catholic environment that really felt like empty ritualism. And then they started hanging out with Protestants who had this personal love relationship with the Lord. And they were rightly upset. You know, they were rightly like, how come I never heard that in my Catholic faith? mm mm-hmm but then they feel like they need to leave the faith, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least leave the Catholic Church in order to experience that kind of personal relationship with Jesus, not realizing that the issue wasn't Catholicism. It was just the way it was being manifest in that parish. Mm -hmm. Like the church is all about a personal relationship with Jesus. The Mm -hmm. church is all about, you know, loving Christ in the least of these. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, and I think like the Mandalorian, you can just end up Uh, Being isolated in a certain group of people that believe things in a certain way yeah, and not realize that no, there's actually more to it than that. And it doesn't necessarily require you having to ditch everything about who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in as much as really finding the truth about what is taught and what is the faith, mm-hmm. what is the way?
0: You know, in in evangelical circles, a big buzzword right now is the idea of deconstruction the, of of kind of deconstructing our faith in mm-hmm. these harmful ideas that I was I was taught. Um, and I, I feel like what Din is doing a little bit is is deconstructing. But the the issue that I feel like some people run into the problem with deconstructing sometimes is then if you don't reconstruct. Right. If you don't reconstruct and say, well, what about, you know, okay, so I was I was raised in this Catholic faith that or Christian faith, whatever it is, that was very judgmental, and I realize there's some harm in that, but let me look for the beauty. Let me let me look for the goodness. Um, and I, I feel like that that's where a lot of people they they reject what they were taught, but they never they never, they never see the the beauty, and or maybe it takes them a while to, to get to get back to that. So, listeners, if you're in a place where you're deconstructing, questioning some stuff, like <laughs> I, like I, you know, I think that part of that is there's there's a certain health to like reevaluating and and and, and questioning. Yeah. You know, the scriptures say to test everything and keep keep what is good. Um, but I, I think our blessed mother actually gives us a beautiful model for how to question God. Because her question, when the angel Gabriel shows up and says, "Hey, you're going to be the mother of Messiah," it's not a question of like contempt. It's a question of wonder. How can this be? You know, how how can this be? And so I've I often in my moments where I'm like, God, what the heck you doing? I've like tried to have that spirit of Mary, of like, how how can this be? How how you know explain explain this to me, God? It's a question of wonder, and go to God and surrender, and not like a. How dare you do this to me sort of way, which is often yeah. what we in, in many of those scenes in the Bible when God calls on a prophet, uh, you know, Daniel, Moses, uh, Zechariah, you know, their first response is not of wonder like Mary. It's like, oh, that's not for me. Or what are you doing? Or how could you know? So I, I try to have that more Marian approach. Let it let it be done to me according to your will, God. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't, yes. ask, it doesn't mean you can't ask questions, you know?
1: Right. Um, and Thomas Aquinas said a thousand questions don't equal a doubt.
0: You know, there's a, Ooh. there's a big difference in, in that. Say say that and again. That's a good one.
1: A thousand questions do not equal a doubt. Okay. Tweet, we can wait, have wait. many questions about God. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. Aquinas spent his life asking questions about God
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and trying to find the best answers he could. Um, you know, I think the positive of Din Djarin's journey is that he is a spiritual seeker and he is willing to. Uh, let go of some of his preconceived notions of what he thought the way was, what he thought the faith was, especially when he encounters it in the other and the other in need and realizes, wait a second, you know, if I am really there for another for attachment, then maybe the things I've been holding on to need to change. Mm. And I think that's a positive message for all of us, especially as Catholics. I think sometimes we can get so comfortable in what we're doing that we can forget those in need. We can forget the poor. Mm. Uh, we can forget that option for the neediest. Now, the downside of it, the way I think uh, his journey does not apply is I just wish somebody would send him a catechism. <laughs> you know, uh, Din Djarin is on a spiritual quest, but he doesn't have any guide. He doesn't Ooh. have, he, he's trying to figure it out on his own yeah. you know, with his own experiences. Well, that I think would be a negative lesson to take from it because yeah. sadly, Sometimes and, and I, I think this generation, because they don't trust the church often because of scandals or whatever's going on, they say, Well, I've just gotta I've just gotta go it on my own mm-hmm. and I've just gotta make it myself. And the gift, of course, is that Jesus revealed who he is, who God is, and gave that fullness of the gift to the church. Amen. That we do not need to be literally Lone Rangers like the Mandalorian mm-hmm. is, you know, with the sunset in the background and the Sound all by ourselves, Um, but he's inviting us into community, and he's inviting us to learn more about uh, about the faith. So there's the positive and negative elements of that. Positive, the journey is great, but but God is actually giving us a destination. He's not. Asking us to just keep walking around with the sunset
0: And us. and he doesn't leave us without tools. And I and, and unfortunately right. I think in our modern, postmodern American society, for some reason doing it alone seems more quote unquote authentic. You know, like that's the yeah. real way to do it. Like, oh, you're just listening to those old those old guys or those old books or those old whatever. Like right. no ha, like I think I should have some humility to recognize that maybe in my short life, I'm not gonna be able to figure out these fundamental questions that people have been struggling with for millennia. Maybe I should look to some wise and teachers of, of the past. Um, so I think this this is a good point to pivot to Grogu because mm. Grogu has some similar challenges of orphaned, uh, you know, growing, growing up in kind of this traumatized state. He's literally being experimented on, doesn't have anybody, is dealing with a lot of anger from that um, and also is faced with this choice of, you know the the jedi way or the mandalorian way he's he's being faced with these two choices on how am i going to live my life he does have some spiritual mentors he has he has din kind of this father figure and then eventually big spoilers by the way i should have said that before big spoilers eventually I I yeah eventually luke as a spiritual mentor um and so i, I want to talk about grogu's journey one against just like the anger and trauma of his past. Uh, But two, also the choice that he has to make between the way of the Jedi and the way of the Mandalorian. So I don't know which one of those you want to talk about first, but I'd love to hit on that. Yeah, why
1: don't we start with his path and then we'll get to
0: his choice because you have to know the path before you can get to the choice. Amen, amen. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, you really do have a story of two orphans and they find each other and uh, they really cause each other I mean that—that's the, the you know the beautiful relationship of these two is the heart of the Mandalorian story. I think we all wondered at the end of season two: can there be a Mandalorian without Mando and Grogu? Like, I know. It doesn't even—it doesn't even make sense. It's like the odd couple without uh-huh. Felix or Oscar. Yeah, like you just—they're just not going to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And I, I was actually surprised that they brought them back together in the book of Boba Fett, which mm-hmm. really should be called Mandalorian 2. I know. <laughs> you know, but that's probably another subject for another time. Uh-huh. Um, but right, that, that journey of discovery, that journey of being trained, uh, you know, he ends up back, quote unquote, with the family he thought he should be back with. I mean, he goes with Skywalker at the end. And in a sense, that's a kind of choice that he makes there, but then after hanging out with Skywalker for a bit, he's positioned with another choice, which is look, you, you still seem like your body's here, but your mind is with, is with Mando, Mm. you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to choose? And I was very happy that he chose Mando. I think we all were. Mm -hmm. I think every one of us at the end of season two thought, well, he's going to get sliced to bits by Kylo Ren. Yeah. Mm You know, so it's like, well, at least he's going to survive. That Mm -hmm. that makes us happy. Mm -hmm. But he chose a way of attachment. And I think um, what Lucas was trying to do, which I didn't like so much, but it's just life, right? you know, with the, with the prequels is I think he was making an argument against the kind of extreme detachment Mm -hmm. that the Jedis, the Jedis proclaimed, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the whole idea of, you know, Anakin falling in love with Padme, this forbidden love, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe if it wasn't so forbidden, you know, this whole thing wouldn't have happened, you know, with, Uh with what was going on. And really this counter of the Mandalorian way versus the Jedi way, Um, I don't know. It's, I think there's still a lot of debate there and a lot of things to discover, but it's not surprising to me that somebody like Grogu, who had been abandoned, who had lost family, was far more interested in attachment than detachment, at least
0: in terms of relationships. Mm -hmm. So something that, so I'm in in a couple uh, groups on social media that are just like Star Wars, Christian Star Wars nerd groups, and Mm -hmm. a lot of them are interfaith. And so... In there they're very anti celibacy generally because most of them are not <laughs> yeah. Catholic and so they're like obviously the Jedi are dumb like you should get married it's you know the Bible says be fruitful and multiply that's that's dumb to to uh, make marriage not a thing but I think as as Catholics and really any Christian who knows Christian history knows that like Jesus was celibate Paul was celibate many of the great Saints were were, were celibate and Yes, celibacy can be done in an unhealthy way, and of course, in the Catholic Church we've seen we've we have tons of examples of celibacy done in unhealthy ways um mm-hmm. but it can also be done in a really healthy way and it is a supernatural call and it and and even for for those of us that aren't celibate, um I'm married, you're married like that can also be done in a really unhealthy way. And that is not a cure right. for loneliness. That does not mean that you are, have good attachment and a good tribal connection and, and, and loyalty and healthy relationship. Like there is, there is something it's deeper than just celibate or not. Right. It's there's. And,
1: and I think that's the lie of the culture. The lie mm-hmm. of the culture says that intimacy is sexual. Mm. And, and i think even our brothers and sisters in christ can fall into that yeah. so mm-hmm. i think what lucas portrayed with the jedi it wasn't celibacy was just a wasn't a fruit of a seeking of an intimacy mm. and and that's for the catholics that's what it is like those who pick up a celibate life are doing so not for the sake of detachment they're doing it for the sake of attachment to god to be more intimate with god mm. attachment and intimacy is the goal of the celibate uh, in the, in the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. And for the Jedi, that celibacy was a, was a false. I mean, we would consider that false, right? It was a rejection of attachment altogether. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, I think when Lucas, you know, and you know, the the robes of the Jedi, there's definitely kind of a priestly vibe going on, but I think it reflects somebody that doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lucas himself, you know, called himself a a Buddhist Methodist, right? So (laughs) Um, you know, he's definitely, there's a lot of things he's not getting and Uh then ended up as Baha'i, I I believe. Uh So, um, that idea of maybe the stereotype looks like it's about not caring, not loving, not intimacy, but those that are living the celibate life the right way, Mm -hmm. um, are finding great intimacy and friendships and attachments and bonds. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Just because you are actually sexually active, that doesn't mean that you are having those healthy things mm-hmm. either. It's it's trying to take sex off the table, essentially. Yeah. The church is trying to say like, that's that's not the be all and end all. Yeah. But in our society today, every T V show, everything Is all about
0: that, and 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 to to Star Wars credit, I think there are some like healthy Jedi. You know, Yoda Mm -hmm. for the most part, Qui Gon, even Ahsoka, even though she's not technically a Jedi anymore, or uh, even the guy in Rogue One. I forget his name, but I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Yeah, that guy. Like, there are some like healthy examples of like uh, detached mystics who are not detached in the bad way but are right a certain because christians should have a certain detachment from them from the material world you know and Mm -hmm. um so i feel like there are some 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 jedi that we can hold up as examples of like this is more what we're going for in the catholic understanding of celibacy as like a signpost pointing towards you know new heavens and the new earth in heaven so but at least um, within
1: the jedis they seem to be painted more as the rebels of the
0: group yes that's true that's true and and so that's kind of an interesting twist
1: that I think the prequels really gave mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that was an intentional direction that the, the prequels took, mm-hmm. which was to try to start casting the Jedi mm-hmm. and the order in a more negative light, or at yeah. least an argument that they've lost their way as an order mm-hmm. and the results of it end up being what would occur with the rest of the movies.
0: Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's my question with Grogu is okay. he has this choice between the Beskar chain mail, Uh, shirt which represents his attachment to din and the yoda's like freaking yoda himself his lightsaber and stepping into that legacy um he has this choice and i i've heard when i've when i've read uh you know some of the mystic saints of saint Teresa of avila and john of the cross and, and ignatius Loyola, they talk about discernment the play the play the proper place for discernment is when you are choosing between two goods right? If you have a choice between a good and a bad, well, then you choose the good one. It might be hard, but it's, you right. know, what's right. But discernment, the time for discernment is when you're choosing between two goods. Now you work with college students all the time in youth. How do you, how do you choose between two goods, Bob?
1: <laughs> yeah. I often joke our students seem to have a devotion to our lady of perpetual discernment. At times. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, what you said early though, is the, is the hinge about it. So when we begin our spiritual life, we're usually making discernments between what is right and what is wrong. And, and that characterizes our first few steps in the spiritual journey. Uh, you know, should I do good or should I do evil? You know, should I go to adoration tonight or crystal meth? Probably adoration. You know? and, <laughs> and even though, the, even though those, those choices seem obvious, mm-hmm. it's not a very rigorous intellectual exercise. Mm-hmm. It is a difficult exercise of the heart when we know the good and the sin within us fights it yes, and, and we have that constant struggle. And that is a, that is a kind of discernment, you know, that that's present there. A, mor- a moral but, discernment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But in terms of just, dis- but we know God's will in this, like mm-hmm. it's usually not shocking to us what God wants us to do. It's just the challenge to do it. As we start stepping into a deeper life of discipleship, then our decision-making does start to change. And we go from whether it's good or evil or good or good. I often tell uh, the college students that I'm working with is, well, sometimes God gives us a gift, but sometimes he gives us a gift card (laughs) and he wants us to actually participate in the gift, participate in the choosing of the gift, participate in the owning of that gift. And I find for many young, uh, many young disciples of Christ, that becomes the part where they tell me what to do. And God's Mm -hmm. like, what do you want to do? I want you to tell me what I should do. Well, no, I want you to, we want to choose together what this is. Well, and I think, I think, you know, and it becomes this like weirdness of like, and some people can get stuck there for a while Yes, that they don't realize that God actually is looking for their involvement Mm -hmm. in the decision, not saying one way to go or the other.
0: Yeah. And I I think this kind of gets back to what we're talking about before, the difference between fundamentalism and mm-hmm. being radical for Christ is because a lot of times the fundamentalist, the rigorist, sees everything through the the lens of good and bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And even things that are a choice between two goods, different types of devotions, different types of worship. And, um, you know, they, they see that as as no, it has to be this way. This is the way and no other. And I think it's a, they don't step into that second phase of maturity like you're talking about where they see like God is. God is calling me into, into, you know, to use my own will here too. So I really like that. Um, We don't have a whole lot of time, but we need to talk about Boba Fett. Um, And he also, it's not, it's not just a tale of two orphans. It's a tale of three orphans, right? Because his father, Jango is killed by Mace Windu. And so he grows up his life as an orphan, you know, with different bounty hunters, sometimes playing a kind of sort of, Pseudo abusive father role, and for the first time in this uh, series, I think much to the chagrin of some Star Wars fans, we see the softer side of Boba Fett, which I don't think is what a lot of people wanted. But I think yeah. I think really, really spoke to me in some in some some deep parts of my heart is he finds this belonging amongst the Tusken Raiders of all places, which is really cool. Um, but yep. then he tries to. Form like his own house, this new sort of tribe. And there's, there's this a uh, conversation he has with Fennec Shand that I, I wrote down and it says, um, when he's trying to convince, he and Fennec, like he helps her out and they they get his mm-hmm. shit back. But then he's trying to convince her to like stick around and like, you know, form a new tribe with him. And he says, I can offer you something no client ever has. Loyalty. I will pledge my life to defend yours. And she says, Your time with the Tuscans has made you soft. And he says, No, it has made me strong. You can only get so far without a tribe. And like that line I was like, ooh, okay, I'm on board with soft Boba right. Fett. You know? And at the end, Cat Cat <laughs> yeah. says, You've gone soft, and he's like, Okay, I've gone far. I'm go- I've gone soft, but he still wins in the end because of his 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 tribe, his connection, his attachment. So I feel like we yeah. have three characters here: Din and Boba and Grogu, who are all struggling. Three orphans who are all struggling to find their place in the universe. And you have a child, and you have a young man, and you have an old man, and then Fennec too. All of these people are 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 somehow finding within each other this kind of island of misfit toys of belonging. Mm-hmm. And and in some ways i think that's kind of a beautiful vision for the church in some ways is that we're 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 coming together and we're finding that we're stronger together in our weakness and in our softness than in our our strength in our moral rectitude in our ability to stick to a very hard code like there's something about us coming together that that makes us stronger so anyway those are those are my thoughts. I don't know if that makes you think of anything, but.
1: Um. No, no, I completely agree. And I think you're right. You know, I mean, there's nothing more powerful than love mm. and, and love might seem quote unquote soft yeah. to others, you know, our willingness to die for another. And it's those bonds of love, those bonds of loyalty that really are the means by which all of them get pulled out of the particular you know, wasteland they're in. It's the bonds of loyalty that the Tuscans showed Boba that really brought about a conversion in his heart. It was the bond of loyalty between, you know, the Mandalorian and Grogu, you know, that really was the, you know, salvation for both of them. You know, when he decides I'm going to go back and I'm going to rescue him, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to be a bounty hunter anymore. I'm going to take care of this kid. This is, this is my new oath. This is my new loyalty. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the context of all of that, it is uh, an invitation to reflect on our love for others and what are we willing to do for the other as really a driving force of maybe shaking us free from some of the patterns of behavior or kind of the blinders-on uh, approach that we often take in society mm-hmm. and you know e- even within our faith lives that can bring about a transformation in our own hearts, of finding, you know, Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life.
0: Yes. Amen. 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 I love that. And I feel, I feel like the way you were talking about din, like it gives me like St. Joseph vibes, you know, (laughs) like this kind of silent protector that, you know, we don't always know what's going on, but he's taking on this fatherly role. All right. So I want to, I want to bring this in for a landing here. Um, I told my guests at the beginning of the show that we were by the end of the episode, we were going to try to give them some things that would help them to today when they turn this off to live, live the gospel in their life. What, what's like one takeaway that we can leave our listeners with today for how to how to bring the gospel from from the Mandalorian and Boba Fett into our life?
1: You know, the, the tagline from Mandalorian constantly is this is the way mm-hmm. and uh, the entire experience of the Mandalorian is reflecting on what he's doing in light of the way, you know, the, the code by which he lives. This harkens back to what I said earlier. What is our way? You know, our way is Jesus, but thankfully we are not asked to just discover Jesus on our own, deconstruct all the things around us. Do we live the faith? Do we know the faith? Um, you know, this, this podcast is called Pop Culture Catechism. Uh, do we actually even look at the catechism mm-hmm. ever? I think, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with it, at the end of every section is an in brief. It just has in a few paragraphs, this is what it's about. And I would challenge the listeners, if we are going to be people of the way, you know, what what we live out in the church is not something separate from Jesus. It's the fullness of what Jesus wanted us to do. And if you would take a few minutes every day and just read an in-brief section of the Catechism. I think there's only 52 of them. Mm. Uh, you, know, you could even time this out with your Lenten jersey into Easter. Yeah. You're, you're, you'll be blown away, and you'll have a transformation of when you really understand what the way
0: is and how to live it not in isolation but in community mm-hmm. i'm always shocked when i read the catechism there's just like these beautiful passages mm-hmm. i was reading a, i was giving a talk on prayer the other day so i, I popped up in the, oh, yeah. the catechism section on prayer and it talks about like the heart and like the nature of the human heart and how god meets us there it's just like this is beautiful stuff so yeah i 100 agree that's a good gospel takeaway um so would you uh please uh close this out in prayer let's let's uh let's let's close this out for our listeners Absolutely.
1: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you that you did not leave us orphans in our sin, but you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son who died on a cross and rose from the dead so that we might be adopted into your family. Open our eyes that we might live in the reality of being sons and daughters of you and brothers and sisters to those around us. Send us your Holy Spirit into our life that we might find you in the midst of community, in the midst of loving each other. And may we be lights in our own worlds, our places of work, our families, our towns, wherever it is you call us, to you who are the way, the truth, and the life. And we ask your blessing upon all of us in the name of the Father and of the Son
0: and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Deacon Bob Rice Windu, thank you so much for being here <laughs> and for, for your wisdom. If people want to find out more about you, where should they go? At DeaconBobRice.com. All right. And you you do a podcast with uh, Father Dave, the president of Franciscan as well, right?
1: You can see it on that website, but mm-hmm. it's called They That
0: Hope. and nice.
1: It uh, releases every Wednesday morning, uh, both on YouTube and on YouTube.
0: Whatever Wherever fine podcasts are sold, uh, that's it's, it's available. That's wonderful. Thank you, Deacon Bob, for being here. A couple quick shout-outs. I want to shout out the Though They Die podcast, who did also did a great episode. They're run by Net Ministries. They did a great episode on the Mandalorian. The StarQuest Podcast Network, who has a whole Star Wars and Catholicism podcast that goes like episode by episode. They and they're 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 Catholic, so I, I love love those guys. And also, uh, the Project Real Plus True is going through the Catechism right now, mm-hmm. so I highly recommend all three of those. Um, If you uh, listeners have had value from this show, I really encourage you to send this to somebody who you think would appreciate it, share it on your social media or send in a text to somebody who's into Star Wars or just would appreciate what we talked about here today. And if you really wanna support what we're doing here, go to popculturecatechism.com and become a monthly patron. You can pick from one of six tiers of giving and that helps us do everything that we do here. And you also get access to the exclusive content for each show. For example, in this show, we're gonna talk about uh, what our predictions are for the future of the Mandoverse and the Star Wars universe but that's only for patrons and also you get access to all the talks that I do in my speaking ministry that's all in there as well and in Lent 2022 you also get access to all the Awaken Your Lent stuff that is happening through Awaken Catholic. There's tons of daily reflections and you find all of that through the Awaken app which is a free app for everyone and then if you're a patron of a show uh, you also get access to exclusive content from the shows and lots of other stuff like the Awaken Your Your Lent um, initiative that's going on right now. It's a great uh, Catholic Christian community online, but there's also prayers and, uh, a Christian music library and lots of good stuff going on there. So go to popculturecatechism.com, get the awaken app. Thank you listeners so much. This is the way a special thank you and shout out to all of our patrons who make this show possible, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, Rob Smith, and Tom and Emily. Thank you so, 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 so much. Right now is the perfect time to become a patron because in Lent 2022, I am giving a six-week lecture series during Lent at a parish nearby where I will be going through the greatest hits of Catholic spirituality. It's kind of a crash course in how to pray and different methods of prayers. You've been looking for a way to jumpstart your prayer life. If you become a patron, you get access to all of those talks as well as all the other talks I give, plus the exclusive content for each episode. So now is the perfect time to become a patron.